You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So if you will stand with me as we stand on the solid rock of God's word and lean into these passages and let these words grab your heart and move you forward in your witness. Notice, Peter says this, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Let's pray. Oh, those last words, God, remind us of how precious this moment is. I know, I know how hard it is to listen and pay attention. I know how hard it is to plug in to a time of worship when we are bombarded with thoughts and concerns and needs that seem so necessary, even bigger than this moment. But God, I pray that you will help us to hear your word today. And it says to us that the angels had longed to hear these words. What we are going to hear today, the angels were surprised by 2,000 years ago. The gospel surprised angels. And Lord, today may it encourage us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's always good to have our mission partners with us. We have friends from around the world who are serving Jesus all over the world, and my hope is is that as we consider what God's Word has to say today about inquiring and looking carefully at the gospel, that what that will do for our membership and our mission partners is is ignite our hearts so that when we go back to our mission field, when we go back to work, when we go back to school, there will be a heart on fire there sharing the gospel with others. One of the great, great thinkers, Christian thinkers in the last 50 years, J.I. Packer, he says this. He says, salvation is the biggest thing that ever was. Let, Let that bounce around in your head for a minute because I know there are some big things in life. There are some big things in this world. But Packer, I think, is right when he says that the biggest thing that ever was is salvation. That moment in time when a person turns from their sins and experiences the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. We want to talk about that today, and we want to dig deeper in our own hearts. What I want to do today is provide just some basic tools for you, for your own heart, to inquire a little deeper about your walk with God. What did it mean for you to be saved? Well, if you go up to verse 2, you'll see that Peter tells us that we are sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb. Now, with His blood, we are sprinkled. Before that moment, before we're sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, what that means is, is that God looks at us and all that He will see is our sinfulness. But when we allow, when we receive The sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is sprinkled on us so that when God looks at us, he sees his son. That is a big thing. If that weren't enough, look at verse 3. 
It tells us that we are blessed, that we have this amazing mercy, that we were born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So there are two things about the gospel that are incredible. These are so incredible that angels, again, were surprised by it when it happened, okay? And I think the devil was too. But Jesus came and died on the cross for us. Again, the sprinkling of the blood so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sins. He sees Jesus as our Savior. But then Jesus rose from the grave. The reason why this is the biggest thing that ever was is because what we're talking about here is not just another good person laying down his life for others. There are so many stories told, especially in times of war and sacrifice, where good men and good women lay down their lives so that others may live. There are many good stories. You, you can watch movie after movie of heroes like that. But what Jesus did was so unique because when he laid down his perfect life, it provided a pathway for everyone to be saved. Not just everyone in the world at that time, but everyone in the world ever. That's a big thing. Now let me say this, salvation is the biggest thing that ever was, but do we live our lives as though this were true? When I come to you on a Sunday morning, there are many times when I'm preaching where I don't doubt that you believe what I'm saying, especially when it's coming straight from the word. I, I, I don't doubt that you believe these words. But there are times in my life, and I would assume there are times in your life, where I have to say, okay, I am proclaiming, I am saying to the world that I believe that Jesus died and rose again. This is an amazing truth, but do I act like this is the biggest thing that ever was? Do I make this the centerpiece of my life? Now, I'm just using this as an example, and I'm not trying to be... Uh, mean about this because we all do this from time to time in America. We love our sports teams. I know in Spain they love their, their, their football, their soccer. Here we love uh, all kinds of things too. And people just can be so crazy wild about their sports teams. Now, I had never been to a Chiefs game. Went to one last year and saw all the tailgating and all that. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. That was so loud and it was unbelievable. Now, you would have thought that was the biggest thing in the history of the world was a football game. Now, we know that it's okay to be excited about your sports teams and things of that nature, but I'm here to tell you, and I know it's kind of like so uh, much of a cliche, but it's just so interesting to me that, that you see all that passion and all that energy, and then when I come to church, and, and, and please, if you were yawning earlier, and if you're yawning right now, I'm not getting on to you, but, but we just yawn it away. We, we're sitting here talking about the greatest salvation in the world, and we yawn. We, we seem to be uh, almost disconnected from the moment. We just sang the Revelation song. Hey, guys, wake up. That is beautiful. Like, we, we, we start in this low place of, of, of just concern and, and introspection, and then that song comes to a crescendo where we are singing about this amazing God that we serve. I love that song because it, it is the kind of song that reminds us that Jesus and his salvation is the biggest thing that ever was. I want you and I want my own heart to start to not just say things like that, but to start living as though that were true. I think it seems obvious to me that we are somewhat careless when it comes to the matters of the soul. And when we think too little on the gospel, let me say this, it shows when, when you are spending so little of your time 
meditating on what Jesus did for you. Listen, I want you to know it shows up. It shows up in a lack of compassion. It will show up in a lack of wisdom. It shows up in numerous ways in our lives, in the ebb and flow of our lives. We are thinking too little on the gospel, church, and it shows. We rarely uh, uh, are deliberate when it comes to our pursuit of the gospel. We spend some time on Sunday, a few hours here on a Sunday, an occasional Wednesday. Those who are really holy, you know, come on Wednesday. And, and let me just say this. It, are, be, be honest with me. Is, is, it, is it true that two or three hours of commitment a week prove that Jesus is the biggest thing that ever was to you? I mean... Listen, today we have this conversation not only on our staff, but almost every church in America is having this conversation of why people don't want to go to church anymore. Well, one of the reasons why is because too often we come to church and we want it to be all about us, and we come and we find out it's all about Jesus, so we don't come back. Listen, what we do here is not about me or you, it's about Jesus. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And I know many in the culture don't really care about that, but here we believe that that's the most important thing. We believe we want to give Jesus more than a couple hours a week. I know for a fact that you can't just give a couple of hours a week uh, to, to uh, your, your marriage and expect it to be a healthy one. Uh, you can't just expect to give a couple hours a week to raising your children and expect them to grow up healthy. You're not going to be successful at your job or at school if you only give a few hours a week. But here we're talking about the biggest thing that ever was. And we are not all that serious about it. The average Christian in America is not all that serious about it. A time or two of worship a month, and that qualifies them as active church members. And though I am thankful for people who come to church, I want you to know that, a, that checking that box off a couple times during your month does not necessarily mean that you're serving God as you ought to. If that is your only real encounter... And I've been around long enough to know that a lot of people, they, they just kind of check it in. They, they come in, they, they do the church thing, but they're not really in the Word every day. Uh, prayer is something that only happens when there's a crisis. Friends, we're not inquiring carefully about this. When you read what Peter's saying here, he is talking about the biggest thing that ever was, and we come to church every Sunday to talk about the biggest thing that ever was, and the sad reality is, is we're not living the biggest thing that ever was. We're not acting like this is true. We say it's true. We're just not living like it's true. And I say this to our church and to our mission partners. We know, we know, everyone in this room that is a follower of Christ, we know that Christ is a big deal. But it must happen that the average Christian starts showing out that Christ is a big deal. That's what I pray will happen. There are so many things to consider. If we don't take our salvation seriously, does God? If salvation to us is something that we're not meditating on, that we're not in fear and trembling going before the Lord all the time, that's what it means to inquire of the Lord. Another question, if we're not all that interested in being discipled, are we a disciple of Jesus? It's wonderful here at Ridgecrest that 
if you look just a little bit, you can find a discipleship group to be in, a, a group of two or three people, a life group, four people that gets together. We want you to do that. But listen, if you're not going to look, if you're not going to be serious about discipleship, I, I have to tell you, that, that, that makes me wonder if you are a disciple. Friends, we need to inquire carefully about these things because, like I said, everybody is lost or found. And we need to determine where we are. We need to determine that our salvation is genuine before we go out and try to share salvation. If we're not excited about Jesus, we're not going to share Jesus. To share Jesus 8,400 times, which means each of us sharing the gospel approximately seven times, you're going to have to inquire carefully about who you are in Christ, and you're going to have to let God get a hold of you so that you can be an instrument of grace in his hands. So what I want to do is start with that idea of grace. I want to show you in these three verses three very simple points that will help us hold on to this wonderful faith that we have. And these three ideas, I think, give us something to hold on to as we dig a little deeper into our own faith, as we inquire a little more carefully. And also today, if you do not know for certain that you have Jesus in your heart, then most of what we're going to say is applicable to you. Almost everything is applicable to you. You just need to consider that you need to put these truths of who Jesus is in your heart. Let's begin with the grace that is yours. Look at verse 10. Concerning this salvation, which I've already told you what that is. It's uh, enumerated beautifully for us there in the first verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. Concerning this salvation, notice this, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Now notice the language there. The prophets were digging into a salvation that wasn't offered to them yet. That's what that passage is saying. So if you go back into your Old Testament and start reading the prophets, realize that these are men who saw what God was going to do, how he was going to work, but they didn't get to experience it personally. So let's realize this, that sometimes God will do a work in your heart He'll do something really good that you don't get to experience the fullness of. Grace given to you doesn't mean that you get to experience all the good things. Sometimes God gives us grace so that we can share and let someone else enjoy those blessings. For instance, let me ask you, would you be willing to be a prophet to be a prophet is not just to speak the word of God, but as you know in the Old Testament, some of those fellows were sawed in half. Talk about occupational hazards. That's difficult. So most people don't want to be a prophet for that reason. But let me say this. Even those who would say, as Isaiah did, go and here I am, Lord, send me. That's wonderful. But another thing to consider is, are you willing to speak the truth of God and then someone else, maybe in 20 years, We'll see the harvest. You see, grace is something that sometimes requires the planting of seeds today that won't even bear fruit in your lifetime. Now, the Casey's told a, a beautiful story about someone who came to faith uh, there in their ministry. But notice, they were not the ones who, who were able to push the person over the edge. It was one of our wonderful ladies on a Ridgecrest mission team doing something that seems not necessarily gospel-centric, and yet it was. They were, they were living out the gospel in a way, no doubt. But just those 
acts of sacrifice move that person. Now, you know, Josh can get upset and say, I've been sharing the gospel for years to this person. Why didn't I? Why in the testimony? Look what Josh did for me. But notice he wasn't celebrating anything about what they've done. They were celebrating what Jesus did. Ministry is, and, and, and witnessing is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. And, and many times you just feel like you're spinning your wheels. Even right now, you know, looking at some of you, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. But anyway, uh, I'll never forget, I, it was my second church. I was in Blum, Texas. I had preached there for about three years. And uh, one of the guys in the church came over. He just wanted to say goodbye before we moved to Missouri. And uh, so we were sitting there in the couch, and he, he was just saying how much he appreciated me and everything. And that was all sweet. And he goes, Pastor, I'll never forget the time you said, and I was going, oh, here we go. You know, here's, here's where Pastor Jeremy's, you know, uh, brilliant pastoral influence is going to come out. And he said, I'll never forget the time you said, the only good cat is a dead cat. <laughs> well, I don't feel that way anymore. I like my cat now. But anyway, it, it was just one of those moments where I had to laugh, but I realized that of all the things I said, over three years, that's what he chose to mention when I was being absolutely ridiculous? Well, absolutely, because that's just the way life is. Now, the reality is, is that all the things we think are so important are really not that important. So many times when we think we've really done a good job, the impact is negligible. But when you are living in the grace of God, when you are serving Jesus and you're not worried about seeing the harvest, then that's when God is really doing great things. I look at this passage and I see that uh, these prophets were prophesying about a grace that was to be someone else's. So let me just say this. Grace is good. If you are found in Jesus, you've experienced the grace of Jesus. But notice this. Sometimes the grace God has given you is not for you. Accept that. Just accept the fact that sometimes we are nothing more than a pipe in the ground that is the conduit for the good stuff. That's all we get to be. And that's okay. The church today will be much stronger and our witness will go further when that's our attitude. That grace and truth are things we get to experience. Yes, we are in a better place than the prophets because we have the prophets and we have Jesus, the fulfillment. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. That's verse 11. But here, just realize we've been blessed with all those things. But don't worry about your blessings. I think too much of modern Christianity gets caught up in the blessings. You are to be a blessing. Grace should flow through you. It's not about you being a, you know, a, a compendium, a gathering place of grace no, open your hearts so that others can find that grace. I love the example of the prophets because they searched and inquired for you. They did the hard work. Listen, I spend a lot of time putting together these sermons because I want you to know God. Be willing to work hard, to work hard in every way behind the scenes so that you can be used of God in any way, even the smallest way is a radical thing. This is what the prophets did. Jesus said this in Matthew 13, 17, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Praise God. You're in a place where you know you can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ 
clearly expressed. We talked about it. It is the blood of Jesus spilled on the cross. It is the resurrection power of Jesus. It's that simple. But before Jesus came, the world didn't have that clear picture. You have a clear picture of grace. There is no reason why you shouldn't be able to share the gospel seven times. It is a simple message. But I'm telling you, the reason why we're not sharing it is because we're not treasuring it. We will share it if we truly treasure it. And I believe the prophets, even when they didn't have the full picture, they treasured it. And that kind of puts us to shame if we're not careful. Let's treasure this beautiful gospel. The second thing is, is that there's a glorious plan of God. So when we carefully inquire, we see grace, that God is gracious, that he's provided for us this graciousness and this message of salvation. We also, when we inquire carefully, and you'll see there in verse 11, that word inquiring pops up again. So that's the third time. It's a word that shows just that we're supposed to give close attention to it, turn things upside down to get to it. That's what it's talking about. But notice that it speaks of the inquiring so that, that we could understand what the Spirit was indicating. So when we look at what the prophets did, the prophets give us an address for where Jesus would come. So here's what I want to tell you. When we are sharing the gospel, we need to realize we're sharing the story of God, the story of God's work in the world. The gospel is really, that's all it is. When we're sharing the gospel, we're sharing a story about how humanity is broken and God has provided the solution. All we need to do is turn on the news this afternoon for examples of how broken the world is. We will see entire neighborhoods turn to dust because of missiles and artillery shells. We will see what mankind does to other human beings when they are apart from God and care nothing about God's grace. When we look around the world, we see that it is broken. When we believe the Bible, when we look at the Bible, the Bible paints the same picture of the world. Everybody says, I don't like the Old Testament because it's all about wars and things of that nature. Listen, if the Old Testament didn't have that, I wouldn't believe it's true. But the Old Testament paints a picture of the world that looks very familiar to us today. It shows us a world off the rails. Yet God has a plan. When we look around and see all the chaos, what we need to do is go to the Word and realize that God has a plan, that He is helping us see how Jesus is the solution. From the first chapters in Genesis, Genesis 3 in particular, we see that God was working to bring us home. You, no matter how lost you are, no matter how far you feel apart from God, God has a plan to bring you home. He has a very specific address for you. About a month ago, I had this thought. You know, my daughter's graduating in June. Um, I need to get a hotel room for myself and for my family. Well, in Evanston, Illinois, there's just a handful of hotels. There's not a lot of hotels in that part of Chicago. And so I thought, well, I'll get ahead of the game, you know, and get a room. So the Holiday Inn, a month ago, planning for June of next year, was over $600. Now, let me just ask the people of God, would you pay $600 for any Holiday Inn? No. And so the Hilton was $900 plus, and it's because everybody wants a room, and there aren't that many hotels there where the university is. And so I start to look for something else, or just to tell Avery that I'm not going to come to your graduation, quite frankly. 
And so I just wanted to try to find someplace close. And I don't know what I did because I'm technologically challenged. Um, Google kept giving me the address with those coordinates that you get with like 500 decimal points behind it. And I'm like, listen, I just want to know how many miles this hotel is from Evanston and how many minutes it's going to take me to get there, right? But I had this very specific address. And so as I was looking at that, I'm not joking you, I was looking at that and I was very frustrated with it. I, I was in a hurry. I was trying to get these reservations done for my whole family, not just me. A lot of pressure here, you know, mom and dad, you know, pressure on me. So I'm trying to get this done. And the Lord just spoke to me, look, I showed you that because those coordinates are specific to like, I don't know, 10 decimal points. And I was studying this sermon at this very time, and I was looking and thinking about this verse, and God was just saying, that's, that's how exact I am with you in your heart, how much I love you, how much I love my people. I didn't leave anything to chance. When it comes to the plan of God, it is so specific that Jesus has to be the answer. When we come to the New Testament, when we look at history, we know that God's plan was to send Jesus to save us from our sins. There is no doubt about it. Go and share the gospel because when we do, we have God's plan. We have the most accurate address. And that's all that Peter is saying there in verse 11. He is saying what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the sub subsequent glories. Now, God is perfectly precise when it comes to his plan. There's another side to this story I want you to hear. The crown of thorns always precedes the crown of glory. Just because God's plan for us is precise doesn't mean it is painless. God has a plan for each one of us, but let me just put this out there. Your walk will not be pain-free. I told you earlier that we live in a world where there is war. When we look at the Bible, it shows not only war among nations, but even disagreements between brothers and sisters in Christ. Ministry isn't difficult just because the world is against us. Sometimes we're against one another. Sometimes we're not walking together in unity. It happens all the time. In our church and in other churches, it's just the way it is. We need to realize that God's plan is not for us uh, to be disunified, not for us to be at each other's throats, but the reality is, is that in this world where there are broken people, sometimes we're going to experience cuts and bruises. It's the way it works. But I want to tell you, God's plan is precise. It is precise. There is no way that you can miss this fact, that Jesus is our Savior. But just because it's precise doesn't mean there's no pain. And I want to invite you in to believe that the Spirit of Christ and the message that God has for you, the message of salvation, the greatest thing that ever was, is worth our suffering. If you go through a hard time, hear me out. I don't want any of you to go through emotional spiritual or physical pain. But I also want you to know that it is very likely that you will not grow until you do. Trust that God's plan is precise even when you experience pain. Don't give up that God has something for you. Now, some pain 
I don't know that we'll ever get the answer in this world, but just trust that he is sovereign. We must humbly receive the humble offering of Jesus's life on the cross. This is the glorious plan of God. But let me ask, how is God's glorious plan changing your plans? You see, Peter talks about this amazing grace that saves us. He's talked about God's sovereign plan that is precise but not pain-free. I mean, if it didn't, if God didn't allow Jesus to go through the plan pain-free, why would we think that we get to go through pain-free? It's okay. That's why we have one another. That's why we have the body of Christ. That's why we, we can love one another through these difficulties. But this third point is really just about the power of God. We talked about the grace of God, the sovereignty of God in his planning. But look at this. We have the good news that angels long to hear. I mean, do you realize angels are more powerful than you? Do you realize that angels have dwelt in the presence of God? They know in a very personal way what it feels like to bask in the light of God. They have the power to do amazing things. Look in the Bible and notice the amazing things that angels are empowered to do as messengers of God. They have all this power and they are envious of you and me. Because we have the gospel. You talk about the greatest thing that ever was. We must have the greatest thing that ever was because the angels long to hear what we have heard even this morning. You have the power of God in you. And notice that the prophets and the gospels, verse 12, it's not about how they were serving self. They serve you. Verse 12, let me read it to you. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. Every single person who contributed to this thing we call the Bible, they were not writing a book to be famous. You know, most authors today, they hope they can be published, right? And that they hope that, that it'll sell millions of copies, true? These guys didn't write these words to be famous. They wrote them for you. They put down the plan of God so that you could be saved, and so that you could share it. We must inquire carefully into these words. We must consider grace, the sovereign plan of God, and the power of God. We must consider those things. And if we're not considering those things consistently, then we will not share the, the gospel faithfully. We must treasure what God has done. We must preach the gospel to ourselves every day. I, I know that people today in the modern church, I know they think they know what they need. I think a lot of people come to church expecting an, an encouraging TED talk with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on it. I think that's what preaching is supposed to be. I have people all the time tell me what preaching is that have never preached. That's kind of funny. But, but listen to me. We can encourage you every day and you will never grow if all we do is make you feel good about your sinful condition. You will go nowhere in your walk with Jesus. But if we preach the gospel every day to one another and to ourselves, that's when we become the change agents of Jesus. You see, I think the church today isn't sharing the gospel as faithfully as it should because we're not treasuring the gospel as we ought. The whole purpose here of considering for a little while what it means to inquire carefully into this message of salvation, it's not so that you can have a PhD in New Testament theology. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that we inquire carefully so that our hearts are changed. Hearts that are changed lead to different 
sets of actions. We need to live our lives as though we are filled to the full of Jesus. That's what the world needs. I think it would be great if you knew a few things about the Bible. That's wonderful. We need to be biblically accurate, but I'm telling you, it's not enough. If you're not living for Jesus, you can know the right answers, but if people don't see Jesus in you, they're not going to receive Christ. Not through your witness. They'll receive Christ when Christ does it his way because it's always his way. But please inquire carefully. Week after week, we hear a gospel so good that angels long to hear it, and we yawn away. We, we, we dismiss it. We go on with our lives at, you know, 12.04 p.m. or whenever Jeremy decides to be done. And we go on with our lives. But if we're inquiring carefully, the gospel will begin to change us. And then as the gospel changes us, mission partners in Ridgecrest, that's when we'll change the world. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.